0: Uh, can you have your Bibles, go ahead and be turning into Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. If you remember last week, and we'll kind of read through this, or week 4 last, I wasn't here last week. It says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness but you have have not so learned Christ if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now as we talked about last week or week four uh, as we started this Paul is actually talking about how one of the issues that we have as a Christian, uh, one of the main issues, the reason that sometimes we can't seem to accomplish or, or do the things in which we need to do is because of our thinking. We still try to think the old way. We still try to think and reason and, and treat people and, and, and act in a way, uh, and, and we use the same reasoning as we did before we were Christians. And, and he makes the argument, and he, he says it very plainly, that, that that way of thinking is futile. It, it's not going to get us anywhere. Um, and the problem is we're too stubborn to admit it. Um, we don't want to admit that uh, our, our thinking is flawed if we try to think just based on our own reasoning, on our own way of thinking, how we've always, you know, we, we, we look at the world, we look at our culture, we look at society, we look at family, friends. We look at a lot of things as we, 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 we grow up in this world. And, and that molds how we make our decisions. That molds how we think. That molds how we reason. Now, when we become a Christian, we can't reason that way anymore. We can't use that same logic as we try to uh, navigate through problems of life, as we navigate through things that are going on in this life. And that, that's what Paul is saying. We're we can't act like that anymore. We can't think like that. So we have to change our thinking. Then he goes on here as we look in uh, verse uh, 22 to 24. He says, "...that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness... And holiness. So as we start here tonight, let's look at verse 22 first. If you look at verse 22, he says that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So as he starts off here, he tells us to put off uh, um, the thing that concerns our old conduct. Now, he, he, he continues this thought about changing our thinking. And when he says to put off something, in, in the Greek, as it's translated in English from the Greek, it, it's making a reference to actually putting off our clothes, like putting aside our, our old clothes, as it were. Matter of fact, it uses the same language if you look in Acts chapter 7. Remember uh, uh, about Stephen being stoned? It says, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him, and the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. This this reference to laying down their clothes is actually the same Greek reference that Paul is using uh, here in Ephesians. It's about laying down, it's about putting off something. So he's saying we've got to put off that old man, that old conduct, that old way of life. Now remember, he says in order for us to do that, we have to think differently. We can't think the same way. We can't reason the same way. And he tells us we have to put off these things. And why does he tell us to do this? Well, Paul says that the reason we have to do this is because it's corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So what he's saying is we are actually uh, being deceived by our desires and our wants and, and, and these lusts that we have in other words we're wanting to do we have this desire to do things our way we have a desire to do things that we've always maybe been taught to do by society and by by those around us and we've been deceived in thinking that that way works and we have to put off that old way and realize that that way does not work it it's corrupt. It's not good. It's not helpful. Um, but it has deceived us into thinking that it does. Now, I don't know about you, this happens to me in a lot of areas of life sometimes. I, I, can, I can real easy deceive myself into thinking. I, I may know that I'm not right. I may know that I'm going in a wrong direction. I may know that this one thing that, that I'm doing, I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to work out. I'm not sure how it's going to work. But, but I, I thought in my mind that it would. I, I, I've made reference that it would. Now I've took a stand that it would. And I don't back down from it, even if I know it's not Sometimes. Even if I know it's not going to work, we don't like to admit that, do we? Well, what Paul is dealing with here on a spiritual level, that, that's what we deal with a lot on the physical level. But what he's dealing with here, he says, how you uh, put this together with, with the carnal parts and the physical thought parts, with the spiritual parts, he says, we're still trying, and Paul mentions this a number of times, that we're still trying to walk in the flesh and not in the spirit. We're still trying to think in, in a carnal way. And he says, that is deceiving. That doesn't work, but it's deceived us into thinking that it does. So we don't want to change how that is. It's hard for us to change how that is. And notice Paul says that we have deceitful desires, and these deceitful desires here, he, he said, by being deceitful, basically he's saying they're lying to us. Our own thoughts, our own desires are lying to us Because it's contrary to what God is wanting us to do and how God wants us to act and how He wants us to treat people, how He wants us to reason, how He wants us to make decisions. Paul is saying you can't go back to uh, that old way of life. You can't go back to that old way of thinking. And that's not easy to let go of. It's not easy to let go of how you've always thought in our minds that we've accomplished something. I think it, it, it can go to a lot about how the Jews were trying to make that transition into Christianity and still trying to hold on to a lot of uh, the traditions that they had. Like, uh, Well, it wasn't just a tradition but as far as the sign of the covenant, which was circumcision and other things. They, they thought you had to actually incorporate that before you could actually become a Christian, and they didn't want to let that way go. And Paul deals with this numerous times. Well, this is basically the same thing that he's saying here, that we don't want to go back to that old way of life. This is actually a new life. We can't have this life and still have parts of the other. We still can't think and act the way that we always have and expect to be different as a Christian or as a child of God. You know, the world is telling us that uh, if you just do what you want, you know, if you just if you just do what uh, uh, your heart wants you to do, just follow your heart. You ever heard anybody say that? Just follow your heart. Or, or the big saying today is you just do your truth. You, you do your truth. And, and, and the thing that you're going to do, the thing that that you're going to accomplish, that you want to accomplish, y- you can do that if you just do you. Well, think about that for a moment. If that actually works, it's just like someone saying, you ever heard someone say, when I get my life straightened out, I'm going to become a Christian? You ever heard anybody say that? If I've heard that that once, I've heard that a hundred times. i I I just got to get my life straightened up. When I get my life straightened up, I'll start coming to church. When I get my life straightened up, I, I want to make sure I can live it, so I'm going to straighten my life up. There's no way. There's no way we can possibly do that. If we did, is there any need for Jesus whatsoever? If I could straighten it up myself, if I had the, 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 the thought capability, the, the actual ability to, to make my life right with God without him sending his son, then why did he do it? You ever think about that? That's really the argument that Paul is making here. He's saying it's, we've got to change our, our thinking because if we don't change our thinking, we're not going to be able to change our actions. But he, but he goes on and he talks about how we've got to put off uh, this old conduct. And, and what he's actually saying is like putting off old clothes. Now, that's not easy to do. Think of today. You got any, any articles of clothing you've had for a long time? I do. I've got some that I've had 30 years, I guess, still wear. Love them. Why? Why do we do that? Why is it so hard for us to give up something like that? I think for two reasons. One, comfort. I mean, it, there ain't nothing better than, than, than some old thing we got on sometimes. It just feels good. It's comfortable. We, we, we like how it, how it feels. But it also... If we've had it a while, it it may bring back some fond memory. It it, it may bring back something that we can relate to years ago, and and we like that feeling. And and sometimes we just want to put on those clothes and, and, and think about how good they feel and think about how good things may have been years ago. That's what Paul is dealing with here. He's saying, I understand why it's hard to do that. Because it's comfortable to you. It's, it, it brings back fond memories. It, it, it's like Israel. Remember when the, uh, the children of Israel left Egypt and they started running into all these problems when they got in the wilderness? What did they always say when they were complaining? You remember? Everything was, good in Egypt. Everything was good in Egypt. Oh, we had plenty to eat. We're out here starving to death. We had plenty to eat. Things were good. Oh, life was great. Was it really that great? No, but it became comfortable to them. Now this is something new. This is something uh, a little different. This is something that's going to test them a little bit. This is something that they're not used to. And so what do we want to do? We want to revert back to what's comfortable to us. So what Paul is saying, this is what you do as a Christian, and this is why it's not working. Because you want to go back to what's comfortable when, 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 when something comes our way, now remember, he says, because of deceitful lust here. Th- these things are deceitful. The things that we think, these fond memories that we have, that, oh, it was so much better before I was a Christian. It was easier to do these things. I enjoyed it a lot more. We didn't realize that we were in bondage. We, we, we don't think about that that was leading us to destruction. So it, it's deceitful. And he says, we've got to put off that way of thinking. We can't think that everything is is just, it was that great, because it wouldn't if it was, Christ wouldn't have had to come. But it's like wearing old clothes. I mean, we've all, and and this may be more on the men's side, we've all had discussions with our spouse, why don't you throw that old thing away? Nope, I like it, it's comfortable. I still wear some things to church that I've had 30 years. It may look like I've had it 30 years, but it's comfortable. I like it. Why? Because... It's something that just makes us feel good. It's hard for me to even buy a new pair of shoes or clothes because I don't like the way they feel when you first get them. I like to go back to the comfortable things. I don't care how ratty it looks. I like the comfort of it. Now, sometimes I'm not willing to put forth the effort in breaking in a new pair of shoes. Sometimes I you know, don't want to put forth the effort of, of, of breaking in some new clothes. I'd rather just keep the old ones long you know, patch them up. The hose ain't too big. Why? Because it's comfortable. Now, what happens? Those were new at one time, wouldn't they? Then it became comfortable to us. See, that's how we have to look at it. It, it, Christianity is not easy, especially to begin with. And, And we want to revert back to what's comfortable to us. But we've got to be careful of that. Look at verse 23. It goes a little bit further. And he says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, notice... He doesn't go right to saying put off the old and put on the new. Because until something happens, we're not ready to put on the new. And what has to happen is, again, there has to be a renewing of the spirit of our mind. He says you've got to make a change. There has to be a change in our thinking to be ready to do that. Because if we're not ready, we're going to go right back. To what we've always known. And we're gonna revert back to that. Uh, and when we think about how, how this works, look at Romans 12 and verse 2. Remember what he said before? Uh, do not be conformed to this world. How? How do I keep from being conformed to this world? How do I keep going back to what is comfortable to me? But be transformed by renewing of your mind. See, it, it, it starts up here. We, we've got to renew our minds. And how do we do that? We renew our mind. Be transformed by renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable perfect will of God. So it comes down to how I think. So I'm changing my thinking. I realize I've got to put off this old conduct. This old conduct's got to go. And I've got to prepare my mind. I've got to renew my mind to do what God wants me to do. To be able to. Receive. That's what he talks about his word. Receive with gladness. Right. I can't do that unless I have a change. I can't do it grudgingly. You know, uh, I had someone say that to me just recently. I, I've been trying to decide about doing something and, and it's a good cause. And they said, you know, you, you need to make sure in doing this that you don't do it grudgingly. Why, why shouldn't we do something grudgingly? Yeah, I'm not going to do it wholeheartedly. Uh, There's no reward to it because I'm not going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm not going to do everything that I'm supposed to because I may not be too sure about it. I may be going into it with just kind of half-hearted. And what's that mean? I'm going to be like one foot in and one foot out. And and both are going to suffer because of it. I'm not going to be able to do what I'm supposed to do because I'm not giving my all to it. So when we think about how how we need to do this, let's go back to verse 23. He says to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. This is a process. It's a constant process. We have to, basically what we're doing, we're putting a filter in our minds. And I don't take just what everybody says and do it the way I've always done it. I I don't just listen to friends or family or co-workers or or society or even some political party. Whatever's going on around me, I don't just take that as information and do it because somebody tells me to do it. Everything starts going through the filter of Christ now. And and I, I let that filter it and I start doing things based on what Christ would have me to do. Just like John was saying Sunday about do all in the name of the Lord. Why? By His authority. So it's, it's a constant process of, of putting this filter in my mind. So I can change the way that I think. How do I react to somebody? I don't react to them the same way that I always have. I do it based on the filter of Christ. How do I solve problems or how do I deal with problems? I don't do it the same way that I always thought that I'd do it. I do it in the way in which Christ has me to do it. You know, I, I, I can go to the Word to find out now how I should think and do. You say, well, that, that's pretty narrow-minded. We, we can't let someone tell us how to think. I'm a grown individual. I decide for myself. When it comes to salvation, how can we decide for ourselves? What exactly did we have to do with the plan of salvation that makes us the authority? Have we ever really thought about that? I mean, what, what makes us the authority to be able to say, yeah, I can decide. Now, yeah, I can decide whether to follow it or not. I, I, I can decide what path I'm going to be. But the problem is when I do that, as Paul says, I'm listening to something that's deceitful. And what's deceitful is my own mind. Because I've not renewed it. I've not transformed it. I'm still thinking the way that I've always thought. Is it easy to change the way that we think about something? You ever heard of the saying, you can't keep teaching old dog new tricks? Why did that saying never come about? What does it even mean? Anybody know? know? It's hard to teach somebody something when they've been doing it that way for a long time. It's hard to get them to change, isn't it? That's what he's dealing with. God understands this. God knows this. Through the inspired word, Paul is telling us this. He's saying, "Here's how you're doing it. You've been deceived into thinking that it's working and that it's going to work and that you're going to accomplish your ultimate goal, which is should be to get to heaven. But he said, you're not." That way of thinking doesn't work. We have to think this way. We have to make sure that we're doing it the way that that Christ wants us to do it. Again, we're told to follow our heart. We're told to follow what I want to do. We're told to follow my truth. But the problem is, that's what it's all about. It's all about me, it's all about what I want, how I think it should be done, what I think should happen. Look through Scripture every time that that God promises something and every time that God says to do something and His timing doesn't line up with uh, certain individuals' timing while this process is going on, then they end up taking matters in their own hands. Well, let me help God out in this situation. And it never turns out well, does it? Because we deviate from what the plan was. We start thinking ourselves, Abraham's a good example. There's different times in which Abraham thought, okay, God said this, I'm looking in front of me with logic and seeing, I don't see how this is going to take place, so let me help God out in this. And we see some of the things in which he does, especially with the promise of Isaac, and even when it comes to offering Isaac up uh, uh, as a sacrifice. Abraham thought in his mind he was going to do it one way. Uh, What is it, Genesis 22? He he thought that he was going to do it in a certain way. Well, God can raise him for the dead. That's how he thought it was going to work, so this is how I'm going to do it. And and we can read from Hebrews uh, where he thought that, but you can go back and see what took place. That's not how God did it. God did it some way totally different than what he thought. So, So what can we learn from each of these examples is how we think something should be when we use the reasoning that we've always used when we're walking by sight, not by faith, as Paul says. We're not seeing the true picture. We're deceived. We're seeing something that is distorted, and is distorted by our own line of thinking. It's almost like our own rose-colored glasses. We see it one way, we need to take those off and see it exactly the way God says that it is. And that's how we need, uh, I think, need to make sure that we're, we're looking at it. Then let's go a little farther. Look at verse 24. It says, "In that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. Now, put on the new man, the new way of thinking. Uh, it allows us to now finally see what God has wanted us to see. Finally think as God wants us to think. Now we're seeing ourselves and we're seeing the world as it really is. And that's, that's not easy to do. Sometimes that's kind of a, a, a shock to us when, when that happens. But again, Paul says if you put off that old man, you renew your mind and, and the, the spirit of your mind, then you're ready to put on the new man. And when you're ready to put on the new man, you're willing to put forth the effort To wear those new clothes. You're not wanting to go back to what you thought was comfort. And you realized it really wasn't comfort at all. What you thought was was some fond memories. You may look back and see that it wasn't very fond at all. You didn't really realize. The situation that we were truly in. You know when Paul talks about this. When Paul brings this to light, and, and he shows that we're, we're, we're truly ready to put forth the effort to, to wear this new man, he says something happens. Notice, he said that you put on the new man, which was created according to God. You know what we're finally becoming? What God created us to become. Look back in Genesis chapter. Uh, what is it? chapter 1, verse 26. It says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So God created us in whose image? He is, right? That's what He wanted us to be. Now go back and look at verse 24 again. Can you go back up to that, Jonathan? I may not put it back. It says, and you put on the new man which was created according to God. So we're actually getting to where God intended for us to be in the first place. He didn't intend for us to keep walking in the deceitfulness of our lust and our desires. He didn't intend for us to keep thinking like we've always thought. He created us in His image and He's saying it's time to let that image show. And the only way that we can do that is by putting off the old and finally, putting on uh, the new. Look in Colossians chapter 3. Isn't that what Paul once said before? He said that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, and attaining to all riches a full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now this say, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words." Now, let's think about that for a minute. When you uh, think about that, I think I put the wrong verse is what I think about it. (laughs) Look at Colossians 3. It's Colossians 3, I believe. I'm sorry, Jonathan. I was reading it, and I was trying to make it work. It doesn't work. Yeah, same verses, 2 and 4, but Colossians 3. Yeah. He says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth, for you died, and your life. Now, notice, your life is hidden with Christ and God when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now notice what he said. It's the same thing that he's saying in Ephesians. Set your mind on things above. Again, walk by faith, not by sight. Walk on the things above, not on things of this earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. So, should I be thinking the way that I've always thought? Should I be doing the things that I always did? Should should the world be seeing me like I always was? No. I'm hidden. It's, It's not me that they see. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. He's talking about we're hidden now. Finally, what's being seen is what should be seen. It's no longer me, but it's God. So, if I'm letting... Christ be seen in me, realize I am created in the image of God, and I'm letting that image finally show, so I'm thinking, I'm reasoning, I, 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 I'm, I'm doing the things in which God wants me to do, then now I'm finally on the path that he wants me, that He wants me to be on. But many times, again, we're not willing to let go of that old man. We don't let those old clothes go. They have sentimental value to us. But we don't realize actually what Christ has given us is worth so much more. You ever heard someone say you try to buy something and they they offer you some, they, they, they want some big price for it? You say, well, that's sentimental price. Here's the actual price. Have you ever experienced that before, trying to buy something? Well, that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying your old life has all this sentimental value that you're trying to hold on to, but let me tell you what the true value of it was. The true value was you were headed to destruction. You were condemned. You were in bondage. You were being deceived. You were blind. But now that can change. Now that you see what it really was, now look what you can become and what God created you to become. And that makes all the difference when it comes to how we live our lives. In Romans chapter 8, and verse 29, he says, For whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God's predestined plan, he's not predestined the person. A lot of people misunderstand these verses from Paul many times when he talks about, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm either saved or lost because God's already predestined it anyway. No, the plan's predestined. I've got to get on board with it. What he wants me to be is realize that, that and conform to the image in which he created me to be. That's the plan. That's always been the plan. I'm the one that steps away from that plan because I try to go back uh, to that old way of life. Look in Galatians chapter 3. He says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are all Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs <clears throat> according to the promise. Now when you think about where we're getting to. When we think about, okay, I, I'm finally letting the image of God show through. Then what happens is I'm no longer... I'm no longer judged by, you know, how does the world see us? The world sees us and judges us by whether I'm male or female, whether I'm successful, not successful, whether I'm, you know, by a lot of different kind of standards. And what God is saying is when you finally realize and you finally become what He wants you to become. He says, look, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. We're finally what God wants us to be. So think about that. Think, think about what that, that truly means. I, I'm no longer held hostage to the deceitfulness of my worth is based on what the world thinks I am. My worth is, we're always thinking that, you know, I've got to be somebody. And to be somebody, these are the things that I have to accomplish. And this is how the things that I have to do to accomplish that. And God is saying, you can't think that way anymore. Think about what you're truly trying to accomplish and what God wants us to accomplish. And how He says we're going to do it. Now let's go back and look at verse 24 just a second, Jonathan, if you don't mind. Of Ephesians 4. He says, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God. Now notice, in true righteousness and holiness. I think this is what our true motivation should be. Our true motivation shouldn't be, okay, I want to do this because I don't want to live the old life because I'm going to be judged in my sins. I'm going to be, these these terrible things are, are going to happen. Our motivation should be that uh, we were created, according to God, in true righteousness and in true holiness. Now, now this means something. Uh, this really tells us that if I wanted to really be seen how God wants me to be seen, how, how do I become righteous? How do I become holy? I can't do that on my own. I don't become righteous. You know, we think sometimes that righteousness means that you're doing righteous acts, that you're doing righteous things. Righteousness and and holiness comes from what God does, not what what I do. What I do is follow Him. The plan comes from Him. Now, I have a part in it. I, I choose to obey it or not. But what I choose to obey determines whether I am going to be righteous and holy or whether I'm not going to be. Now, when you think about truly how how Paul sets this up, think about it again from the very beginning. He starts out by telling us, okay, here's where you are. Here's where you're trying to get to. And the path that you're on is completely wrong. Now, now, think about that. If, if you were told that, how would you handle that? You know, I, I think about this a lot. And, and here's the context in which I think about it. You know, I, I think about certain things today that I've had to, as a minister, I, I've been in certain situations where I've had to talk to individuals. And, and I've often thought, if I was in their situation, and I'm, I'm just starting to hear this for the first time, I, I've, I've just started... Uh, uh, reading the Bible, I just started talking to people, I just started coming to church, and I've lived my life up to a certain point, up to this point, and I'm starting to find out things that's going to affect my life and my family. And that means I have to make some changes. I've always thought that'd be a pretty hard pill to swallow. It, it, it's when you're, when you're talking with someone and, and they're realizing that they're living in adultery by God's word, not by something we say, but what God's word says. And, and you're finding that out and you're finding out that, okay, this is really going to affect everything. How do you accept that? Is it easy to? Is it easy to say, oh, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll disrupt my whole life, whole family. That's no big deal. I'll do that. I've not found one single person that's ever said that to me. It's always been pain and anger and sorrow and crying and, and more anger and, and just. And I thought if I was in that situation, and it doesn't have to be that, it can be anything, that that tells me I've got to change my whole way of thinking. And I think, would I be able to do that? And then I think of things even throughout my life now that I'm saying, okay, I I need to, how am I going to make the decision on this? Is it based on how Ronald thinks it ought to be or my line of reasoning or what God says? And we have to kind of take, take stock in that and kind of come to a conclusion and say, I need to see it the way God tells me to see it. My mind needs to be transformed. See, here's the thing we only think about this life and how it's going to affect us in this life. Well, I, you know, I, I look at my age and I have, if I have to change all these things, I'm going to be miserable the rest of my life. Well, how long is that going to be? I mean, really think about it. If, 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 and this happens to individuals. Their, their life gets turned totally upside down. But we look at it in terms of Okay, how's this going to affect me the rest of my life? And really what Paul is saying is, we can't look at it that way. We have to look, how is this going to affect me for eternity? And when I start thinking about how this is going to affect me in eternity, this life doesn't look so drastic anymore, does it? Like, how am I going to make the sacrifice? Paul tells us in Romans 12, uh, in verse 2, if you go back up to verse 1, he says, our life is a living sacrifice anyway. That, that's what it's supposed to be. We think about, oh, I, I've got to make this sacrifice for, for this many years now if I live this long, and how's that going to affect me? Our life's a living sacrifice anyway. He said, that's our reasonable service. And the only way that I can accept that is stop thinking like I've always thought and start thinking and transform my mind the way that God wants me to transform my mind. Now, that's easy for me to stand up here and say. It's a lot harder when you start putting emotions to it and you putting people's lives to it and, and, and all the things that we're involved in in our life. When you start adding those things in the equation, it becomes difficult. And Paul understands it's difficult. That's why he's dealing with it. But he's telling them the problem is our thinking. Until we change our thinking... We're going to make it harder on ourselves than it really has to be. It's a lot like worrying. You ever worry about something? You worry and 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 you really make it worse by worrying instead of just facing the problems and handling the problems. You know that, That's what Paul is saying. We're making it worse instead of better. We're not helping ourselves at all. We're, we're leading down the wrong path. We're deceiving ourselves. by by our own deceitful lust. And what are these deceitful lusts? All of our desires are the things that we want to do or think we should do and how we think we should do it. And he says, when what we really need to do is realize that we need to put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and in true holiness. And when we start renewing our minds in that way, that's going to affect the things in which we do. I'm going to look at my life totally different. I will look at my life like a living sacrifice. I will look at my life as this is just temporary. This isn't eternal. Let me ask you, have you made that renewed spirit in your mind? How do you think about things? How do I think about things? Is it how I want to do it? How... I want it to be what's my truth or is it what's God's truth? And as as Paul deals with this, he said, if we want to end up in the right place, if we want to accomplish our goal, we've got to do these things. But what's going to make it easier is putting off that old man, finally renewing our mind, being transformed in our minds, transformed in our thinking, being ready, ready to receive and accept that new man by doing the things we need to do and then start living that way, which is a whole different person. And until we do that, he says, it's, it's just leading us, we're just deceiving ourselves. Any, any final thoughts about this? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and, and I tell you, it, it, it's easy for us to make one clean swoop and, and put everybody in the same barrel and say it should be the same for every single person, but it's not, is it? We, we come from different backgrounds, we come from different opportunities, we come from different situations as we come to this truth, and quite honestly, some seem to make more sacrifices than others based on how, how they lived their life before. And, and there has to be. That's why he talks about some, you know, you use persuasive words. Some it's like jerking them out of the fire. Some people come from different, different angles. So when we all come to this same truth, we're, we're coming at it from different angles, but the truth is still the same. So we may have to have a little more long-suffering with each other. We may have to have a little more understanding, a little more encouraging to help help build each other up to be able to get to this point. Because some people ha- have literally turned their life upside down because of now having to change and start following God. And it's not always as easy as we, we think that's going to be. But, but you're right, Burton. We, we have to make those sacrifices and realize, okay, if I'm not going to live this, any, any, this way anymore, I, I don't only change my lifestyle, I changed my lifestyle by changing my associations, I changed my friends, I changed everything about it. And I tell you when I think about this, when, when I stand at a pool pit at, at a funeral home and I, I've preached several funerals of individuals that I used to be friends with and hang around with. And I preached their funerals because they were uh, it was maybe an overdose. Maybe uh, something tragic had happened because of of choices in which they've made in their life. And and I think about that each time how easy that could have been. How easy that could have been to be right in the same thing. You know, you do. And I tell you, after every time I do it, you know what I always do? I call Mike Berber on the phone and I thank him every single time, (laughs) every single time for being my friend. And because that has made a difference in my life, I'll be honest. Uh, and, and others have too, but association means a lot from even an early age up. And, and when you think about the sacrifices that you have to make in your life, as you get older, you realize they weren't as hard a sacrifice as you really thought they were. We just kept trying to go back to that. We kept trying to go back to uh, uh, what we thought was comfortable to us. And when he says here, once you change your thinking, you'll realize, what were you really trying to hold on to? Was it really that great in Egypt? Did you really have all that great food that you're thinking about and you just lounged around and did nothing? No, you were making bricks without all the stuff you needed to make bricks with, but they still expect you to make bricks. He said, that's what you need to remember. That's what you need to think about and and change our way of thinking. And, And again, it's not always easy. And it's different for everybody when they come to the truth. And I think that's where we need to encourage each other to be able to do that. Any other thoughts?